how could Jesus love the social outcasts, the sinners, the people that were different or not accepted, and even foreigners who worshipped false gods? What was he thinking? This is the Bible Speaks to You podcast, episode 156. Today's topic is a question. Would you help the Syrophoenician woman? You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early, your host, and this is the place to be to rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we talk about how Jesus wanted us to think and act and pray and live our daily lives. And we dig down into the mindset of Jesus to discover how we can think and act like he did. The goal is to experience more of Jesus' promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey there, and welcome again to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I am so grateful that you've tuned in to listen today. I've got a question for you. Have you ever wondered why Jesus was so incredibly inclusive of all types of people in his ministry? I mean, think about it. Jesus talked to every sort of person there was to talk to. The rich, the poor, the holy, the humble, the sinner, even the self-righteous. It didn't really matter to him if someone was of high or low social and religious status. What he cared about was if someone was receptive to who he was and his message of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus didn't only minister to people of the Jewish faith. He often broke the social and religious boundaries by talking to non-Jewish people. Most Jews of his day, even his disciples to some extent, had a fierce religious nationalism. They thought Israel was God's chosen nation, and they were eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come to get rid of the Romans and restore the kingdom of Israel to his glory days of Kings David and Solomon. These earnest and faithful Jews did not realize there was a bigger plan of salvation that would include all mankind, which is kind of odd given that some of the messianic prophecies included the enlightenment and salvation of the Gentiles, in other words, the whole non-Jewish world. Here's how God prophesies of the coming Messiah. It's like he's giving specific instructions for Christ. This is in Isaiah 49, verse 6. God says, speaking to the Messiah, his messenger, his servant, You will do more than restore the people of Israel to me, I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. That's pretty clear, isn't it? And then in Isaiah 60, verse 3, God says, All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. These were prophecies in the Jewish scriptures. And maybe it's only with hindsight that we can look at these verses and realize 
the Messiah would be for all mankind and not just the Jews. The Jews in Jesus' day, for the most part, saw themselves as separate from other people. They weren't supposed to associate with anyone who wasn't Jewish. They weren't even supposed to talk to them or go into their homes. And even among the Jews themselves, the Pharisees, for example, wouldn't associate with anyone they deemed sinful or unclean. There was a very strict purity culture. In light of this attitude among the religious leaders, I find great delight when Jesus goes to have dinner with the tax collectors and sinners, the very people looked down on by the religious elite. In fact, when Jesus did this, it really bothered the Pharisees, and they asked his disciples, this is Matthew 9, 11-13, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They just couldn't conceive of why he would do that. But on hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. That's a quote from Hosea 6.6. Jesus goes on, For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. When Jesus went to have dinner with the tax collectors and the sinners, he was ministering to the very people who needed him the most. The Pharisees then, and the Pharisees today, never understand this. But Jesus didn't just minister to Jews who were looked down on by the religious authorities. He also reached out to people who weren't Jewish. Now, I'm not going to go into detail on some of these, but think of the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. That's in John chapter 4. I did a whole episode about the conversation Jesus had with her. That's episode 129, called Worshiping God in Spirit and Truth. And I'll have the link for that in the show notes. Jesus was not supposed to talk to a woman, and certainly not a Samaritan woman, of questionable social status. But he did. Jews weren't supposed to talk to the Romans unless they absolutely had to, and certainly not go into their homes. But Jesus was willing to go to the Roman centurion's home to heal his servant. This is in Matthew 8, 7. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Jesus didn't care what the religious traditions were. He was interested in helping people, in healing people, the ones that needed help and were receptive to him. Well, the Roman officer declined and expressed his faith that Jesus didn't need to come to his house for the boy to be healed, and Jesus healed him. There's another example I want to talk about in more detail. First, let me set the scene. The Pharisees had given Jesus a hard time for breaking with Jewish traditions, and he then rebuked them for honoring their traditions above the commandments of God. As a result, he felt their stern condemnation, so he left that hostile atmosphere and went, of all places, into the area around Tyre and Sidon. This was Gentile territory, non-Jewish people. He wanted to be alone and went into someone's home to get away from people, but it just wasn't to be. A Syrophoenician woman, a Greek woman, a Gentile, barged into the house pleading with Jesus to heal her daughter. Now, there are two accounts of this, 
Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28, and Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. I'm going to have both versions in the show notes on the website so you can compare them. Each one gives details that the other one leaves out, so it's helpful to read them both to get a fuller picture of what's going on. It's great that we have both of these accounts. Mark tells us that Jesus was trying to keep his presence in Tyre and Sidon a secret. Matthew tells us the woman appealed to him as the son of David, which was an acknowledgment of his Messiahship. In any event, she was desperate. Her daughter was suffering terribly. She must have heard of Jesus somehow. Even in this non-Jewish country, news spread of the man who could heal people. Put yourself in this woman's place for just a minute. Think how she felt. She obviously loved her daughter enough to intrude upon Jesus because she believed he could heal her daughter. She didn't care about the social customs. She wanted to get to Jesus. That shows something about her character right there, doesn't it? Matthew tells us that Jesus wouldn't even respond to her at first. In fact, his disciples asked him to send her away. They were bothered by her presence. They did not see it as an opportunity for healing, as Jesus did. Jesus then finally tells the woman he was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Hey, wait a minute. What about those prophecies in Isaiah about the Christ being a light to the Gentiles? Did Jesus not know those scriptures? Of course he did. And he knew he was going to heal this woman's daughter. He wouldn't have talked to her at all if he wasn't going to help her. Well, then she falls at Jesus' feet and pleads with him. Matthew tells us that Jesus said, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. That's Matthew 15, 26. But Mark adds an insight that gives us a little better picture of how this conversation may have gone. This is in Mark seven twenty seven. Jesus says, First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Do you see that difference? If the children are to be fed first, it implies the dogs will be fed later and not go completely without anything to eat. But wait a minute, is Jesus being a Jewish snob and calling this woman a dog? That's actually how the Jews thought of all Gentiles. It's important here to know, however, that the specific word for dogs in both Matthew and Mark is the Greek word kunarion. It literally means little dog, lap dog, or a pet dog. It was a term of endearment, not an insult. What if you read that verse as, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the doggies or the puppies, It puts a very different feel on it, doesn't it? Well, I think the woman picks up on this play of words and responds without hesitating. Even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. The dogs under the table would have implied that they were family pets. They were part of the family. Don't we feel that way about our pets? They're part of the family. And they do kind of get the scraps under the table sometimes, don't they? 
This woman picked up on Jesus' compassion by using that specific word for little dogs. And then Jesus heals her daughter. Now, on the surface of this story, Jesus appears at first to be going along with the religious culture of the Pharisees, not to mention the opinions of his disciples that are right there with him in the room, in not wanting to deal with this woman. But I believe Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do all along, including healing her daughter. He wasn't asking her questions. He wasn't appearing to be indifferent to get information that he didn't know. He was giving her an opportunity to declare her faith. And she did. Here's the question we need to think about. How often are we, like the Pharisees or even Jesus' disciples, who want to get rid of an unseemly person or situation? Maybe a better question is, how was Jesus able to see this as an opportunity for healing? And how can we see these kinds of things as opportunities for healing? Jesus knew his message of the kingdom of heaven and salvation was for all mankind. What is he teaching us about heaven in this story? What is he showing us about how his church today should treat people who are rejected by social, cultural, and religious tradition? I think this encounter of Jesus with the Syrophoenician woman is actually prophetic of how the gospel would be shared with the non-Jewish world relatively soon after Jesus ascended. Hopefully you and I will carry on that tradition. It's interesting to me that the religious and cultural differences of this Syrophoenician woman did not prevent her from approaching Jesus, asking him to heal her daughter or to be persistent in her request. And nothing could prevent Jesus from healing the girl when there was so much faith expressed by this ardent mother. The power of Christ breaks down all barriers when there is a receptive, expectant heart even if someone has come from a culture that is not Christ-like or has unchrist-like thoughts. I think it's interesting Jesus uses the metaphor of bread in this story to refer to the help he could offer the woman. Jesus actually calls himself the bread of life, the very sustenance of our spiritual existence. Would he withhold that bread of life from a hungry heart? How ready and willing are you and I to share the bread of life with someone who is outside of our social, financial, educational, political, and religious comfort zone? I am still surprised, although I shouldn't be, when I hear about Christians who live inside their safe little Christian bubbles. They only associate with people who are like them. They may contribute to their churches, missionaries in foreign countries, but their own lives do not show much evidence of reaching out to help people, the people sometimes in their own neighborhoods, who are hurting and need help. Now, there can be very good reasons for this. There's no way to get involved in every righteous cause in your community. I understand that. But if we start thinking like the Pharisees, that we're better than others, or like the disciples who just wanted to avoid a messy situation, it means that we probably haven't adopted the way that Jesus looked at and loved people. How could Jesus love all those sinners and tax collectors? And hey, we still have a certain feeling toward tax collectors today, don't we? How could Jesus love the social outcasts 
the sinners, the people that were different or not accepted, and even foreigners who worshipped false gods. What was he thinking? Well, whatever it was, we need to think like he did. We need to love like he did. We need to and can see every situation as an opportunity to bear witness to the love and healing power of God, even when it's awkward, uncomfortable, or difficult. Those are the times you need to let your light shine even more brightly than when everything is going smoothly in your life. So how could Jesus love these outcasts, these non-believers, and even heal them? It's because he could see that God loved them. The next time you're struggling with personalities you disagree with, or you're thrown together with someone who is radically and offensively different from you, instead of trying to justify yourself and how you feel about them, or run away from the situation, what if you just quietly prayed to see how much God loves them? That doesn't mean you should naively walk into or stay in harm's way. We need to use wisdom and follow God's guidance at all times. But even if you're led not to be involved in a particular situation, you can still bear witness to the fact that God loves everyone involved. But you can't do this with the love that comes from the human heart. That's where we get in trouble, trying to love someone with just the human heart. That love only goes so far. It's loving with God's love that brings healing. And don't let others talk you out of loving this way. My first job after college was in Boston on the security staff of a large organization with several buildings. We were in charge of making sure things were safe for the employees and the hundreds of pedestrians who were always walking by. One day on my rounds, I met a woman who was very distraught. Her name was Edna, and I tried to comfort her. Over the next several weeks, she returned, and we often chatted. She had a pretty troubled past and was dealing with what today we would probably call trauma in her life. I befriended her and often shared Bible verses to encourage her. At one point, after several months, my supervisor told me to quit spending time with her. It just wasn't worth it. She was never going to change. He thought I was casting my pearls before the swine. He didn't use that phrase, but that was his meaning. The funny thing was, I knew from talking to her that she had just had some major spiritual breakthroughs in her life. My supervisor didn't know that, and he didn't believe it when I told him. But I had to be true to my heart, to love that woman the way Jesus would, at least to the best of my ability, and she appreciated my friendship. Don't let other people and it's hard when it's someone close to you, or your supervisor, as in my case, tell you who, how, and when to love or not love. Let Jesus be your model, only Jesus. I say this often on the podcast, we have the mind of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 2.16. Since we have the mind of Christ, that means we can love the way Jesus did under every circumstance. So, would you, will you, help the Syrophoenician woman of today, whoever it may be? There are lots of them out there, men, women, and children. Will you love those whom others have decided are unlovable or unworthy of love and respect? Of course you will. 
Christ not only gives you the ability to do so, but creates the desire in your heart to follow his example. Christ reveals to you the infinite love God has for all mankind. You won't be able to do anything but love them. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. I'm really grateful that you tuned in to the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend and have a conversation with someone about the ideas here, reaching out to someone who is in need and letting your light shine to bless them. If you're new to the podcast, I'm especially grateful to have you tune in today. I encourage you to subscribe, go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the subscribe tab in the menu bar. Fill out the form and you're all set. And I'll send you a special prayer guide called Praying with the Mindset of Jesus. Just click on the link and check your download folder. If you have questions or comments, I would love to hear from you. Go again to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the contact tab in the menu bar. I can't wait to hear from you. As always, in the show notes for today's episode on the website, I'll have all the Bible references mentioned today. Go to thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 156. This is episode 156. And if you're listening on a podcast app, the link will be in the description. As always, I am so grateful for you tuning in, and I'm incredibly grateful for all the many ways that you have been supportive of this podcast. That's it for this week. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week, take care, and we'll see you next time. God bless.